Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We drink tequila. We talk. Welcome to Team Tequila Talks. Talk, talk, talk. Are we going to do this now? Yeah, we're going to get started because here at Team Tequila Talks, we start every episode up with a cheers. And you've got your host, Cassandra Gina Bell, and Sherry Gonzalez, and my very special friend, Dylan, who is one of my all-time Vancouver bartender pastime favorite guys to hang out with. And we happen to be in London at the same time. So here we are. And I decided that it would be great to have him on the podcast, because I've been dying to have you on anyway. The fact that we're both in London at the same time. You know what? So we're going to start off with our cheers, but Dylan... You have to top it up. I know, I know. Dylan made us this special concoction, which I'm going to get into in a minute, but we have to top it off with some bubbles. Okay, so I guess we're doing a little bit of a... It's a twist on the uh, French 75. Um, it's with uh, Patron. Yes, because that was our option at the Honesty Bar. Yeah, what, can you explain a little bit about the Honesty I Bar? I am going to explain a little bit about the Honesty Bar. So we stay at this really cool hotel every time we're in London. We used to go every year and then the pandemic happened. And sure, I think we brought you here before when we had a London trip together before. Um, but it, this Honesty Bar is such a cool concept because they put out a little bit of everything. So there's no specialty. It's just kind of like a little bit of everything. And they leave a notepad for you to write your name and your room number because it is a uh, residence lounge only is the sign on top of the door, meaning you have to be staying at the hotel. You can't just walk in off the street. And you have to write what you took on the sheet and then they just, they charge your room for it, like a room charge, right? And so that's what we did. We went down and said, what are we working with here? What do we have in terms of tequila? And our only option with tequila, because as we discussed in prior episodes, Sherry, tequila is not a huge thing in Europe but they had a bottle of Patron. So we decided to go with that. We decided to work with that. And uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. So tell us a little bit about exactly what it is. Yeah, so then instead of using lemon juice as you would in the French 25, it's lime juice, obviously. And then uh, usually you do like a simple syrup, but the bar didn't have any like sweeteners or like cordials or anything. So what'd you call her, like a liaison? Or a, yeah, a liaison, a representative, a, a shoe staff yeah yeah uh the fantastic staff member took me to their uh the restaurant bar yeah 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 and they gave me a house made elderflower liqueur so so there you go so it's a little MacGyvering but I think it'll be tasty so here's for our tequila spin on a French 75 and I see that you're pretty close to that over there Sherry I did um I worked with what I had here at home see it's good it's very good. You didn't think it was going to be good. I, I never doubted you. I've never yeah. doubted a single cocktail you made <sighs> in my entire life. No, so I did. Basically, I had grapefruit. I didn't have any lime. 
So I did a little bit of grapefruit and I kind of took some skin off and kind of squeezed some of that oil in there. And then I did, I did not have any simple syrup, but I did have um, some poppies, some lime poppies, the prebiotic probiotic. So I put that with some Blanco tequila, shook it up, top it off with some champagne. So with poppy. Yeah. Okay. So we're, so we're both doing sort of a tequila citrus bubble situation. And I wasn't privy to that cocktail either so no, it just I, happened synchronous so what happened was while we were downstairs in the honesty bar you went to the restaurant to find some type of cordial or simple syrup mm. and i texted sherry and i said what do you have in your bar here's what dylan's working with let's see if we can get close and we can kind of see how it works out so that's how that oh. happened so she whipped that up right away because see, sherry I is see. a pro fucking professional yes <laughs> so I'm going to give you guys a little background on how I met Dylan and why I so badly wanted to have him on the podcast. Did we get our proper cheers? I feel like we did a, a virtual cheers, but we need to actually start it here because now we're like several minutes yes. into this episode yes. and we yes. haven't done a proper, proper cheers, guys. Cheers. cheers. Cheers and welcome to the team, Team Tequila Talks, Dylan. Okay, so I met Dylan back in Vancouver in probably like 2015, I would say. And Dylan, you and your partner Tarquin were, you had this restaurant and you guys had this really, really cool, unique, original bar concept. And there was even this thing where you would go and you'd spin the wheel, like on the price is right. And your cocktail was the sign of the Chinese Zodiac that you would spin. So you just had to have a lot of faith in your bartender. And I was fascinated by this concept. First of all, every single cocktail I had on there was amazing. So there was not really a reason to question it. But I would sit at the bar and order my food to the bar and bring multiple friends and I'd do date nights with my husband. And we would just get to chatting about how you come up with a menu like that, how you rotate things out. And one of the most fascinating things I feel like is I'm not a gin drinker. And I learned through you that gin is the most versatile spirit. And that is what bartenders love to work with because it can really mold and take the shape Mm -hmm. of anything that you want to make. And I'm talking about like, I would sit down sometimes and say, here's what my day was like, and here's what I'm ordering for dinner. And Dylan would go, got the thing for you and could really cater to my day and my experience with it. Like it didn't really matter what the parameters were. Mm -hmm. The cocktail could just be birthed from that moment and that mood. So we spent... I feel like many a night just chatting and then eventually you guys moved on from that restaurant because I think that building was bought out, right? Yeah, that was kind of when we kind of did that uh, thing with Miss Butter's Bitters that like as soon as Bambuda was kind of falling apart, me and Tarquin kind of signed up with a food scientist to like make this brand. I went on to like work at like a hotel and then Tarquin went to work at uh, like a Mexican restaurant and yeah, it's been... like eight years since then? I think so. And the thing is too, is, you know, happy misfortune, dangerous for me is that Dylan actually ended up working at the restaurant beneath my apartment. 
in Vancouver. And the reason that was dangerous is because I'm a very punctual person. I'm always on time. So if I had to be at a dinner at 7.30, I'm always ready at like 7 p.m. So I look at my watch and I go, oh, well, that's still 20 minutes of time for me to walk downstairs and get that's a cocktail. That's at least two course. drinks for us. That's like I know. 20 minutes. It, is two it can be, it can be depending yeah. on, you know, depending on the evening, right. especially because when I was having dinner plans, they were usually at maybe seven o'clock. So I was going downstairs to the bar before the dinner rush hit. Right. And so sometimes it was just me hanging out with Dylan and we would chat and catch up on life. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we just kind of, you know, he let me in on some of his bar secrets, but also we would just kind of hang out. We'd become buddies. And I really leaned in on Dylan's advice because he is a travel bar wizard. Anytime that I go anywhere I like to shoot him a text and say, hey, I'm going to Europe. I'm going here. What's your list? Where am I going? And I think it's really interesting because Dylan basically has this whole, what is it? Frommer's Guide, Thomas Map Book. What, what, what are these guides called? We don't use them anymore because now we just have the internet. Uh, they're called Thomas Guides. Say, I don't know what I this is. Wait, what is this an American thing? They don't it's have an American. American. I don't know what this is. It's like an it's, old school map. It's a map of the city you live in. And to get places, you used to have to highlight your route and keep it on your car, on your front seat, on your passenger seat, and glance down to know. So basically, we were smarter back then, is basically. And, mm. and Frommer's was like that you used to purchase the books and you would say Paris and you'd buy the Paris Farmers book yes. and they'd release a new one every year. And and say, yeah, okay. Here's the restaurant yeah. you go to. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, here is the, the this you go to. And right. so now, they, I mean, I think they, they still have a um, website and, you, and it says like Paris in one yeah. day, Paris in three days. Right. And so Dylan is my personal mixology mm. farmers. Well, wait, so, when I met Dylan in Vancouver, you took me, Cassandra, who was one of our first mom dates. That sounds you accurate. Took, you took me, you said, I have to take you to this bar. And, you know, I hate gin always. But that was the first time. I, I, I think I clipped the year of the rat. And I think it was like a, a whiskey drink, I want to say. Was that, if you spin that wheel, it was like some like, or bourbon drink. And I, I think was I'm year of the rat, 1985. Yeah. I think that's and, rat. I think it was a raspberry it whiskey drink. How do you still remember yes, that? Yes, it was. I think it was a raspberry <laughs> whiskey drink with some sort of red rim of some type. And it okay. had egg on it, and it had egg on it. And I'll tell you why I remember this, because then by the end of that night, I was in the bathroom with Cassandra sending boob shots to my husband. And my husband told Cassandra, what did you make my wife have? What did you give, my, what, what did you give to my wife? And Cassandra's like, um, I don't know, maybe some whiskey or some, so my Whatever husband Whatever Dylan says. Yeah, so <laughs> After that night, my husband has a saying now that says down with the brown because I had so much whiskey and I kept, remember you kept saying, I kept turning the wheel and it was like another bourbon drink. And I had like five of them that night. Well, yeah, the wheel decides. And I feel like, okay, and this is an interesting thing that you bring up, Sherry, because Dylan works with his partners. They have a company called Mrs. Better's Bitters. And the really cool thing about this is it is a company that has a bunch of different bitters, a whole line, and they get to work with people all around the world. I'm talking on a global level where they have their product in all of these bars. And it is about cultivating cool cocktails. It's not just about the liquor. It is about cultivating these really interesting variations on classic cocktails with really unique different types of bitters, but they also have a vegan egg white foam. And oh. 
you know, I'm not vegan, you're not vegan, but we know a lot of people that are, or as we discovered from our uh, aphrodisiac cocktail that we had a, a little while ago, we had multiple people, we did basically like this pineapple mezcal cocktail that was shaken with egg white with a little bit of nutmeg on top. And we had multiple people with the group that said, I do not want the egg for, for a variety of reasons. I mean, there was, there was a pesca vegan, there were, uh, there was a vegan, there was someone who was allergic to eggs. There were multiple reasons why people did not want Mm -hmm. in on this egg white. And I think that's your best-selling product, isn't it? Oh, by far. But the, like the big thing with egg white though, and we just had one at like, uh, there's an up and coming bar called uh, Cannot Bar. Um, we just had a, had what had a cocktail there. So I got to say, Sherry, um, we cheated a little bit. Um, it's nighttime here in the UK and, uh, we had a few cocktails before we started. So uh, jealous. you can have a tequila sunrise over there when you're done with your French 75. Spin. Perfect. <laughs> but that, so yeah, that cocktail that we had, had that really nice, the miraculous foam was on there, but it had that really fun, like blue swirl on it. I don't know exactly yeah. what it was, but when you went in to smell it, there was this really nice, clean, kind of like oceanic coconut kind of uh, smell on it. If you're using regular egg white, it's going to have this wet dog smell. So any sort of like fun aromatics that you want to have is going to be inhibited if you use actual egg white. So whether you're vegan or not, I think you get a better cocktail experience with the actual Miraculous Foamer because anyone that's going to be trying to put some fun uh, aromatics or you know any type of flavors on the top note, it's just going to be masked if you are using the egg white. So Okay, so that's a bonus point for our friends that were at the event that tried to convince us that the cocktail was better without the egg white. And I got to say that Sherry got her shake weight arms in there because, you know, you really got to shake it for a minute and put some it. vigor in there when you yeah. are trying to get that egg white to foam. How easily does yours foam? Is it the same? It's or like is four it- or five shakes. It's done. Okay, not terrible. It's easy. So you're saying that... That is the more preferred method, not because it is vegan, but just because you think you get the benefits of the foam, but you don't have the smell or aftertaste of the egg whites. And and that's the thing. Uh, When we first came out to Vancouver and and started selling it into the London market, it got really snapped up because I think London will always be the forefront of the cocktail scene it's the, the capital of the world and right? i might be a little biased because i think it is the best city in the world but it is it's the, it's this it's the center of the world everything has to come through or pass through or begin or everything starts or has an element to you think so? talking about global i do global 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 brands yeah mm-hmm. i would Within. say more Paris than London. No, I disagree. I think that's just like, I think that's culture snobbery. I think that, you know, London is also the epicenter of business, global business. Or or China. I mean, there's there's an argument. But then China, (laughs) China is, I feel like more isolated to, in terms of culture and and um, like the type of beverages and the type of food. True. Whereas if something is like you go to London and it is such a melting pot. You can get your Indian Indian food in London, your Chinese food in London. Yeah, exactly. Italian food in London. I feel you. I think, I still think New York is the capital of the world, but I may be biased (laughs) because I'm American. I think there's just so many different countries that London 
is like very close proximity to yeah like no one's like you know in indiana you know influencing new york but places like poland or like even spain like spain has like a huge influence on like the gin and tonic scene that like blew up yeah. about five years ago whereas like in the united states everyone kind of seems like it's a little bit more every state kind of keeps to themselves a little bit if that makes sense mm -hmm. whereas like i think in europe a lot of people kind of share and influence each other um which you know that's it's my favorite place to be is out here i'm going to spain in two days and yeah i love spain yeah i freaking love spain probably I, I like i like london i don't love london because the first time I went to London, they were like, I was like, give me your most London British thing you could think of. And they gave me that British breakfast with oh, English. English with baked beans. It's and so blood good. Sausage. Blood. It's so bad. You don't have to have the blood sausage. No, you don't. That's awesome. I was, but they no, they, my, they made it specific, like old world. Like they were like, this is the most British English thing you're gonna ever get here. And I was mortified. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a I'm a fan of the full. English. I mean, I think that anytime really? you add peas, it becomes more British. Like I, I, I was looking mm. at the menu for the restaurant that's in our hotel, and it's it's a lot of peas, a lot of peas. But uh, mushy peas, some like fresh English mint peas. Just give them a little peas press with mint. some like a lot of English butter. That's the thing you can't you can't replicate that with North American butter. You need to have the real deal from the farm, right? From the farm from the and farm. fresh, fresh mint. And it's beautiful. We're talking about travel. And mm. this is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Dylan on. It's not because of his cocktail wizardry and, and the fact that I trust him implicitly when it comes to my beverage palate. But he has a knack for finding really cool, unique, niche cocktail spots. And I think that this is a really interesting skill because you go to a new place and if you don't know what you're looking for, you end up in your hotel bar, which in this case, our honesty bar is not the worst thing, mm -hmm. but you might not get the experience that you're looking for in terms of a custom, unique cocktail. For example, we went to the Kanat bar today and we actually went to two bars within the same hotel. I asked the host, how many bars do you guys have? Because I feel like I've seen at least four. And she goes, well, technically three, but I guess it's four if you count, you know, this, this or whatever. So we went to the Connaught Bar, which has been voted number one bar in the world. I Most just read that. Times. I was researching this bar last night and I was like, how the heck do you get voted? The number one bar in the world. I'm not going to say anything too technical, but they're very good at TikTok. They're they very, oh, okay. Well, I have to say we went and they but have- that makes sense. So they have the cart sense. where they do the pours. It's and very, like the- showmanship it's Italiano, it. like the long yeah. pour. Like. As you were saying, the UK in general, they love their carts. Mm -hmm. They like the trolley. It's a big thing here, the trolley. I, I went to dinner once here and it was the champagne, the pre-dinner champagne trolley. And I go, that is a very specific trolley. A pre-dinner yeah. champagne trolley is very specific. And it was amazing. But they, I can understand it's a beautiful bar. It is just stunning aesthetically. We had, I did have my tequila beverage, but before that, they have a whole vintage bar menu. So what that means is that they get, I don't know where they source them, but they have these bottles from the 70s. And it is the actual booze 
from the 70s still in the bottle so i mean it's it's a bit more of a splurge so we had one and then we went to a more modern cocktail but we i had a negroni and the campari and the gin they bring the cart to your table and they're pulling out the bottle. They show you the labels look different. The proof is different. The oxidation. Wait, but what's the proof? Is it more higher? Campari is normally, well, it's a liqueur. What's the, what's the proof on that? I don't actually 30? know. 30? I think, the, I think the proof is like, is higher 45? than that. It's I like think 45? I thought that he said that the proof was 45 and in this uh, particular it was 90. I, I think it's usually 70. Okay. He said it was higher than what it, mm-hmm. it, it was higher back then than it is now, more or less. And um, my husband got an old fashioned that was um, made with scotch, which I usually have it with rye or bourbon. So I was surprised to see that it was with scotch, but he, that was from the seventies. The labels look like they're from the seventies. So it's a bit more expensive because you're buying something that you can't replicate, right? That you, like you can't go back and make more, of the liquor that was made in the 1970s so you're buying what you're paying for is experience experience. you're 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 drinking a genie in a bottle and it's highly curated i love that but also his it's it's historical and something that i had a couple days ago i had a batista era daiquiri made with bacardi from 1930s at the seed library bar and And that's in shortage yeah, it's in short. It's in shortage, uh, and it was great. But it's also as a bartender, this is a classic drink from that era when that sort of that actual uh, Cuban style rum was kind of invented, and that's that's really important to me. Like as is, I mean, like some whiskey from the seventies, like that's cool. But like actual <laughs> like Batista era Cuban rum. Yeah. When like that's when daiquiri was popping off, brand new. Yeah. You appreciate that's like, the finer things in life. That's the well, and and the sugar cane was different back then, wasn't it? Like it's the type of climate, yeah, the climate that they had back then. Alcohol today, like when you do like a whiskey smash or anything that you use like from the nature, from sugar cane, the soil, the rain, the heat, the earth wasn't as hot. I mean, it, it goes deep. Even wine, the wetness of the morning, the dew. Mm-hmm how that lays it changes the drink so as a bartender you're probably drinking that tasting all kinds of shit that you've never tasted before the number one spirit that was always on my hit list i guess was pre-phylloxera cognac so that's cognac before the phylloxera laus decimated uh like that region of cognac that sounds very technical dylan it is, well, this is from, <laughs> so this happened in about like the 1870s that okay. what what cognac was made out of is this was, why louis the 13th is such a thing like why it's like two hundred dollars an ounce i don't think there's pre-phylloxera spirit in louis trez but you can buy it from special bottle dealers we had it at the hotel i worked at in vancouver and it was an 1865 bottle of cognac so there would have been blends in there from the 1700s tasting that is that's a whole different other that's a whole other level like of Of cognac of vintage um and so and there's places like the Ritz in Paris that like they bought all the they bought all that cognac at the time and they still have it. Like I think a Ritz sidecar is going to set you back maybe like four or five hundred euros. It's not like they have like a guy buying it like it's in the stock from the day they bought it. Like, yeah, it's- and that was the bar we were at today had a special platinum jubilee vintage cocktail and i believe it was Macallan 
from the year that she became queen. I believe it Holy was like, a, like, and I, it was 2000 pounds for this cocktail. So that's, that's like not Let's eating a lot say, of avocado toast. <laughs> we did like not splurge <laughs> on that. Nope. I just had my Negroni, you right. know, it was, it was, it, and we still, we still got the experience of it without the, you know, the 2000 pound of it all. Okay. But it's just really interesting to see how you can really deep dive on some of this vintage stuff if you want to this this was 1950 something mccallan let's get this straight so the cannot bar is a 1920s inspired i look at the photos very regal it's very beautiful they have like gold leaf wallpaper just to set the scene for the listeners because i feel like we're not giving them the vibe of why you can go and buy 500 cocktails yeah so i feel <laughs> like you guys go there they have old school bottles from the 70s and some old even older bottles you get these highly, would you call them mixologists? I guess you would. They're like artists at this well, point. Well, I mean, Dylan, what do you I think? think? You're, you're a mixologist. You're a, what, what, what would you label them? Are there different classifications of mixologists? I think if, I, I don't like the term mixologist. I okay, think it's okay. a little, the first time I was in London, that was when the uh, American bar at the Savoy won best bar in the world. And I went there and there was no pretentiousness. They were just, very good like at hospitality and like within five seconds he like I was sitting on the bar he knew I was a bartender and there's two cocktails that were invented there the hanky panky and the white lady and so when I ordered the hanky panky he said do you want to come around the bar and make it because this is kind of like mecca it's like holy grail the American bar is one of the foundations of that 1930s kind of it's wave very of like new york depression era kind of art well that's when agency everyone inspired. lost their jobs in america mm-hmm. because prohibition right. mm-hmm. so they're like i'm going to paris i'm going to london in my opinion i think americans kind of started this cocktail culture but prohibition is what spread it to europe mm-hmm. and so you had all these american bartenders doing amazing stuff yeah the, that my experience at the american bar um at that time he would still call himself a bartender. I, I think the reason that I feel like there are tiers, like, you know, you can be a wine expert and not be a sommelier. So, so, oh my gosh, <laughs> seven cocktails in today. Maybe uh, not seven. Sommelier, sommelier. Sommelier, um, But you can be a wine expert and not be a sommelier. And we had we had a guest on um, a few episodes ago that was a whiskey sommelier and had certain certifications and there there were things that you had to go through for that. But I also shout out to my best friend. You know who you are. She was a bartender <laughs> at a college bar, and <laughs> she's not a good bartender because she was used to making like shots called the lunchbox or the Washington apple or that like all of the all of the shit you drink used to drink in college that would give you a hangover and she just, yeah yeah no she and she would pour double whiskey cokes like that was mm-hmm. her thing and it worked great for her and she's a good time so she did really well with it because she's fun she's super fun but ask her to create a cocktail and she's like I don't I, I don't know what to do I think there are different levels or different types of bartenders because the bartender is not necessarily a mixologist right so do you think just you go you prefer just bartender i think maybe if mixologist wasn't the name of it maybe i would be fine with another name but mixologist is so pretentious extra so extra Extra. okay like chemist is it too like it's too much like chemist like you know it's like you're doing you know what about this i think there where you guys went tonight i looked at all the drinks i like went to their yelp page and all i saw all the things i was there in spirit with my uh, not so bougie uh, French 75, but 
I will say that it looks like art. It looked like some of these drinks. I mean, I'm like, what's in it? I mean, I know they list something. No, at one point I went, turned to Dylan and I go, what is in my cocktail? Because it looked like someone took a pink lipstick and smeared it on the inside of the glass. And I'm not talking like someone didn't wash it because the lips were on the rim. It looked like someone took lipstick and smeared it on the inside. And I go, what am I drinking? And he goes, that's edible paint. I had edible paint in my cocktail. Artistry. And you had a homemade fruit leather, right? Yeah, I think it was a homemade fruit leather. <laughs> but if you look at like some of the more avant-garde cocktail places in London, um, I have a little pack of like postcards from, uh, it's called Bar Oriel. And so you can see these are actual pieces of art. I'm not sure if we can like. No, these are art. Well, we can, uh, anybody that's listening. Can we edit maybe some? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Oh, you can show. Share. Like, look at this thing. Look at that. Look at these. Oh, now, my. so yeah, there's, there's places like, it's called uh, the Gibson Nightjar. This is called Bar Oriel. Bar Oriel is my favorite out of those three. But it's wow. very on like a whole different planet of of cocktails i'm showing these for those of you that are watching us yeah. on youtube but see though that's like art to me that looks like oh, this, is, this is an experience is that octopus this looks like an octopus Look at i this. had a drink at the oreo oh two days ago that used an ingredient called clarified octopus milk so whoa so this breast is milk? yeah this is was it octopus breast milk i i didn't ask well is it all it. milk technically breast milk it just depends on the type of animal it is. I don't think octopus has breasts, though. It just—I didn't inquire. When you're in a, when you're in a place was like that, semen? that's like. Was it semen? It could have been when, semen. Semen when is. You're in a place milk. that's when you're in a place that's like kind of a cool guy. You're not going to be like, uh, can you explain what this clarified octopus milk is? It just, it just was an ingredient. It's not your mama's almond milk. So. <laughs> but I do, yeah, I appreciate stuff like this, but. I like going to places that are up and coming bars. Okay, um, so that brings me to my mm -hmm. question because I look at something like this with the clarified octopus milk and I will say that I'm fucking in. I will try anything once. Yeah. I love the experience. That's my personality type. I want to try it for the sake of experience. I want to know where this is. I want to go here. I want to have it. Right. So how do you find this place? Because I know that as lovely as our neighborhood and hotel are here in, in relatively central, north central London, I would say, I wouldn't know how to find something like Okay, this. so like a new, so Google Maps, and I'll explain how I use Google Maps. It is my favorite app for any of this. But I'm familiar. I've heard of it. Nice new company. If, if you start up with a lot of potential. If you're in these types of cities, you have to get out of the expensive neighborhoods. You have a brand new one here called Soma, Soma Soho. Okay. Haven't been there yet, but it's it's supposed to be very, very good. But you have to go to like the weirder neighborhoods, like Hackney. Shortage. shortage is like, it's, it's still built bougie. Up. It's, already, <laughs> it's built up now. It's already built up now. Um, I mean, a few years ago, yeah. But like Hackney, that's where you're gonna find all this cool stuff. So. But so, um, okay, so here, this is counterintuitive to me because you're saying you got to get out of the bougie neighborhoods, but this cocktail looks bougie as fuck. So this is in the meatpacking district. There's a meatpacking district in London too. No, this is the, this is in London, meatpacking district. Okay, uh, but and there's I, literally I'm nothing around. New York, but I think yeah, New York is meatpacking, I know. 
so yeah it's in the middle of the first time I went here which was like four or five years ago I just walked there and it took me I always say when you're in like a city like this a good cocktail bar once you get there it should take you about 10 minutes to find the entrance I'm not all about speakeasies but like I like the door like hidden away. Like, you want it I, to be difficult. That's my favorite bar in Sydney. Wait. Like that. We're talking about travel. My favorite bar in Sydney. I hate is... speakeasies, but I like the door in a weird spot. Okay. Okay. I, okay. I have a question. How do you use Google Maps to find these? Okay. So the Google Maps will get you all the way there. And then you have to use some of your detective skills to be like, okay, where could it actually work? But do you, do you just type in secret bars into Google Maps? <laughs> no, <laughs> it will never work. Right. So how do we find these places? Okay, we, have so, to, we have to know you. So, we have to follow you on Instagram so and inundate your DM box so with right. everybody's travel request. So a good a good reference. So this is a place called um Silverleaf. I don't know if you can really, can't really see but I want to show I want to show like just a picture of like this like quality of this. Look, like, at, look the, at this menu. Look at the print on that. That is that's a menu for one gosh. drink. That's one drink right there. One cocktail per page, and there's art to go with it, and all of the symbols mean herbal, spicy, yeah, grounded, floral. Ooh. Yeah. So it's this is I'm gonna say this is gonna be the top 10 next year. So this is what I'm saying. Go and don't go to the bars that like are number one or number two today. Go to the ones that have like opened this today. year. Go to the ones that go to the ones that have opened this year that like haven't had a chance to be listed and you're not going to be fighting for a spot and they're going to be fighting right now to get on that list so okay. you're going to be doing the best so your so is, there, is there a website is there how do we find these up and coming places so i like to, for food um and sometimes drinks i like to use eater the hot list yep. mm -hmm. um but for london specific Eater, I feel like is very trendy they're very about what's on trend at the moment I find that their essentials lists are not always what I'm looking for because they're like, here's where to get the best Reuben sandwich. And I'm like, if I'm on vacation, I'm not coming to your city to have a Reuben sandwich. <laughs> no. So I want to know what the hot list is. I want to know where I should, like what's new, what's cool. Because I also don't mind going to a place experimentally and right. saying, you know what, that didn't work. Because now we know, and now we have some contrast. I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind going right. somewhere and, and, and it failing or not working out. So yeah, this website, at least for London, I haven't seen it for another city, but it's called uh, theinfatuation.com. And so this will have London's new bar openings. Oh. So this is a really good sort of way to- Oh, you sent me this. Yeah. Mister, so Mr. we have a Mr. Fogg's right here like super close um i love mr fox they're very gin based so I've i'm sure you love it they have they have an adult boozy tea so instead of it being traditional tea it's tea cocktails but they have a full like platter and tier what i want to know if you are anna the tourist and you're going to uh denmark mm -hmm. and you're searching for your spots like how do you know what's a gimmick and how do you know where you're going to get a quality cocktail? Well, okay. So yeah, what I would do, I would just go on uh, google.com. You love Google. <laughs> I, top Denmark cocktail bars. Yeah. And then go to like the first two and then just like go there. And then what you want to do is like, is this place legit? Is it real? Then you get actual advice. Typically, if you're at a good bar, someone that's going to be on the bar seat, also sit at the bar. That's number one. Don't sit yeah. at a table sit on the bar if and you talk can. to the bartender so i like that I think or that who's beside you who you know some right. people that work in a bar there 
depending on where they are, they could be maybe jaded on different types of bars, but whoever's beside you, you can ask them for recommendations as well. But that happened uh, when I went to Seed Library. I got a ton of recommendations and uh, I've been starting to like hit those. And once you hear maybe two or three times the same bar from like different bartenders. Like we both had the cannot bar on our list from multiple people. So, I mean, you had been there before, but I hadn't, but previously you had had it on the your list from multiple people. I mean, so it, we wanted to go. It won the world's best well, bar. It's not, like, <laughs> it's not like, it's not like a. Okay so, I, okay. so you're saying go find a cool bar and then talk to the bartender because where that bartender is telling you to go, like they know what's up in their own city. They know where the spots are and they know where they're going to drink on their nights off. Yeah. So, but then I would even like, before you go there, have your Google maps and then you can save all these, uh, save all the spots for the city. So the big thing is like drink in that neighborhood. You don't want to be like anywhere in London. It's about an hour away. Like every single thing is like an hour away. So like if there's two or three places in that neighborhood, make sure you do that that night. And then maybe the next night hit like a different neighborhood. But I think that's a good tip anyway. So say you've got 20 places on a list, whether it be from Yelp, Google, word of mouth, people in the industry, places you've been before. I've gone places sometimes and you show up and it's, they're closed on Wednesdays or you go somewhere and they close early or you go somewhere and you're like, man, that place was not as good as the last time I was there, it's really fallen off. But you have your Google Maps saved places Mm -hmm. and you say, well, okay, but there's this place that I have been wanting to try or it's on my list and it's only two blocks from here. So so you're saying that if you have it all mapped out, you must be a very visual person. But if you have it all mapped out, you have options. I don't have the luxury to like spend like weeks at a time in like I think that's most people. So like I've really, really take my time seriously. So it's like, I want to maximize where I'm at and like, and, and the other thing is like, would I want to recreate my entire trip? No, Bar Oriole has always been my favorite bar. It's nearly as good as it was, but I think if you're revisiting a, a city, sometimes people want to go to every single bar and recreate the entire last trip. Do not do that. Go to some of the same ones, but there's a bunch of new stuff that's opened up this past year. Mm-hmm. Go and see new things. And, uh, I see a whole like my what my brain was about London like before I came here just seven days ago till now that I've seen a whole bunch of new things like it's evolved it's yeah completely evolved when I travel I like to basically take a couple I don't like to go a mile a minute for seven days ten days I like to take three to four days, hit everything up. And then there's a part of relaxing that I like to do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it can feel like a job when you're on vacation and you got to hit, mm-hmm. hit, hit, hit. And I'm like, oh no, I need to like relax. And my husband especially is like, I will do what yeah. you want me to do, but I need days where I do nothing. So, so my, like- my, my guideline more or less when I'm looking at vacations is I like to make one good reservation, whether that's for lunch mm. or dinner. I'm not a breakfast person. So mm. um, I like to make one good meal reservation. And then I like one good activity. So yeah. I got one activity, one reservation, and then the rest of the day is fair game for exploring and finding yeah. new places and doing cool stuff. So that way, you know, that you didn't get to the end of vacation and go, shit, I wasted the first four days of my vacation wandering around because I didn't know what to do. Right. Instead, you have 
all of these places checked off of your list and you can know this was my favorite can't wait to go back here but you're also not bound by a right. locked in itinerary yeah see i can't do that a locked in itinerary if, if someone if i'm going to like a wedding give me an itinerary but if i'm going on vacation i will do certain things at certain times but there has to be downtime there has okay. to be downtime so before we wrap it up what would be your like you know, we've given a little bit of advice on make your list and have some backups on Google Maps. So yeah, things save your, fail, save, right? Save. Favorite websites to go on and look and, and basically check your reviews, talk to the locals, find a bar, a bar that you like, and then talk to the bartender. And I feel like this is all travel websites, but what is the do not do list when it comes to exploring cocktails in a new city? Okay, so I would say if the first drink sucks, don't order the second drink. It's okay. not going to be good. Okay. Don't like, yeah, like. What if someone says like, oh, it's just not No, my, just you're one and done. Okay. Just, you don't have the time to like, if the first drink like sucks, that. you're out. That's, yeah, well, that's like, that's like that thing that's floating around, which has been my life motto this year for sure, is if it's not a hell yes, it's a fuck no. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that if it's not a hell yes, it's a fuck no. And it's okay like if that. that applies to the cocktails as yeah. well. Because I feel like a bartender gives puts their best foot forward early, right? Like you're not waiting on the drop. It's like dating. It's like wooing. Well, it's, it's you know, if someone's doing a freestyle drink, it's completely fair if it's too weird. But if it's in, you know, like a beautiful menu, like this one from the punch room. Yeah. Ooh. Yes, I, I've been to the punch room before upon your recommendation. It was if it's, if it's a published... Delicious drink no they should have it down pat it should be sure. great yeah. yeah so i mean i i've actually been and i feel like you've done this before too but i've been to bars where you sit at the bar and you say i'm kind of feeling this or i'm not sure about this and a bartender will say well try this and if you're not into it mm. and it's not your mood or your style or your speed then i'll make you something else mm. and i feel yeah. like that's a free pass i feel like you get yeah. one of those as a bartender but i i also i think etiquette for me as as I'm a bartender, if someone's coming in and sitting down, just order the first drink out of the menu. Okay. Don't ask for freestyle unless it's like a bar that specializes it. Um, right. Just get a drink off this and be like, you know what? I really like this drink, but if you could like make it a little bit like this, a little bit more, like then I think you're going to have a really good drink come out of it. And I think most bartenders are comfortable doing it. But if okay. you're like, you sit down, you don't even open the, however much this would cost to make. And right. you're just like, that's not oh shame. yeah, I'll just get like I'll that just get a this hard and that. Cover. A, vodka, I'll just... a vodka soda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna get a good result, but like just yeah, order a drink out of the menu the first time if you want some bespoke stuff. You know, you can feel the room, but always order a cocktail out of the menu the first time, and then you know, be sociable. Like you can tell if someone else is at the bar that if you're going to places like this, the odds are someone has done the research, they're in the scene, they get it. They're not just some person off the street. They they probably have the same common uh, ideas that you have. Strike up a conversation, make a friend. Well, I like that. We made friends here at Team Tequila Talks. I'm cheersing with an empty glass because we got through our faux French 75. Dylan, thank you for joining us. We're going to tag Miss Miss Betters Betters. I wanted to say Mrs. I made her an old married lady. It's Miss Betters but Oh my God. Should I have another cocktail or Miss Butters Bitters. Miss Butters Bitters. Holy shit. Well, Dylan, thank you for joining us. 
we are gonna tag Miss Better's Bitters. And you guys, tag, like, download all the things for Team Skeela Talks. Cassandra and Sherry on giving you a little skill up. Cheers. 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 Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.